is that. So now these are the people that are part of this council and they rule. They rule the Jewish community. So you say, what's the significance? Why do we need to know this um, in relation to verse 39? So when the Romans conquered um, the nations, particularly for the Jews, for example, they let them alone. They say, okay, you take care of your own community. Okay, um, so you go and rule your own people, you have your own religious uh, beliefs and all that. You set up a council and you rule that. Okay, so these people are the ones who would rule the Jewish community. And then there are also these people who are called the Pharisees. So that's the, that's the council, alright? That's the Sanhedrin. <clears throat> and where's their headquarters? Also significant because I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. Their headquarters is in Jerusalem. Okay, headquarters are given in Jerusalem. So they will govern the provinces of Judea, Samaria, and so on. Okay? So you understand, at the time we read council, the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, this is what they are. They rule the Jewish people during the Roman Empire time. And then who are the Pharisees? Anyone want to try? Ray, do you remember? Did you take? You took. Alright, try. On the track, what are the Pharisees? The teachers? Uh, the Pharisees, uh, the scribes will be the teachers. Um, the, the Pharisees. Anyone else remember? Theologians. Say again? Theologians. Theologians. Uh, the scribes are the theologians also. Um, the Pharisees, you notice, they will always go around and tell people, don't do this. Don't do that. So they're what? Like religious police. <laughs> ah, yes, they're the religious policemen. All right, the Pharisees are the ones who are, in fact, they are called the pious ones. So every time you want to try to remember who are the Pharisees, just remember what they are called. They are called the pious ones. Pious, you know, it's pious, very religious, very holy. Um, so they are the pious, P-I-O-U-S. P-I-O-U-S. Okay, now... <clears throat> These were religious policemen, they enforced the strict observance of all the rules, the Jewish rules. Alright, they enforce it and they make sure that people observe it. Now, remember there was the um, Torah. Okay, Torah is, is what? God's law, right? Torah. And then, but the Jews, they added, what to it? The Mishnah and the Talmud. Alright, so if you go a circle, the Torah is in the middle. They were so worried that people break the Torah. <clears throat> they keep adding additional rules to it. We studied that before also, right? You can sew, but you cannot sew more than how many stitches. Right? You can walk, but you cannot walk how far. So they added a lot of rules um, to make sure that people don't break the Torah. But they ended up adding um, their rules, human rules. Um, so that's why every time you talk about the Sabbath, Jesus will argue with the Pharisees, right? Because the Pharisees added additional rules to the Sabbath keeping, which God did not require. Remember? So every time Christ argued with them, Christ is not saying, I don't want... Christ is not saying, we don't observe the Sabbath anymore. He's saying, you're observing it wrongly. Alright? So please remember that. Now, so how many of these additional? There are 613 additional laws that they added to the Torah. 600 overlaws. Okay, how many Pharisees were around at the time? There were 6,000 of them. Alright, 6,000 of them, a lot of them. 
but actually the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin is typically ruled by 70 people. 70. Okay, so about one-tenth of the Sanhedrin. Now, do you think the people like the Pharisees? Hmm? Okay, some don't think so, some don't know. The people actually love the Pharisees. Right? So the people respected the Pharisees a lot. Um, they were seen as religious, holy people in society. So they, they, they see them as the leaders they are supposed to guide them. Okay? Um, in fact, do you remember when the Lord warned the disciples, beware of what? The what of the Pharisees? The leaven of the Pharisees. In fact, the disciples themselves, because you imagine you grew up in an environment respecting the Pharisees, right? And then the Pharisees were always doing the wrong thing, but you always thought that they were the right thing. Even when Christ was on earth, you have to keep correcting the disciples and change them. Because every time they see the Pharisees, they want to follow them. So he said, you must beware. You've got to get rid of the wrong things that they have taught you and learn the right things. All right? So they, the society respected them a lot, including the disciples. So Christ has to make sure that they get the right thinking. Alright, so now we have the third group. Okay, so the third group. Who are the third group? The Sadducees. Alright, Sadducees are lesser. They tend to serve in the temple. <clears throat> now, the Sadducees, a um, few things about them. Number one, they are typically the wealthy, high-ranking aristocrats. Wealthy, high-ranking people in society. Okay, wealthy, high-ranking um, religious people. Okay, and most of them, they work, they serve in the Sanhedrin. Okay, and they serve the high priest, the chairman. They serve the high priest. Um, how many books of the Bible they, they believe? They only believe in the first five books. That's all. They don't read. They read, don't believe in the rest of the Bible. And the one thing that is very clear, we know that they don't believe is. Resurrection. resurrection. We don't believe in the resurrection. All right. So um, that's why. Remember when Paul was uh, having trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he quickly talked about the resurrection. Then we talk about the resurrection. What happened? The Pharisees and the Sadducees also started to quarrel among themselves. All right. Because he knew that they don't believe. When you do Acts, have you done the chapter? Now Paul very wisely used the truth. Um, so he managed to disperse them also. So they don't believe in resurrection, they don't believe in afterlife. Very strange, right? You work in the temple, and then you're religious, but you don't believe that there's life after that. Okay? So these are the people. Do you think the people like the Sadducees? The people didn't like the Sadducees, right? They don't like them. Maybe because they're rich, I don't know. All right? But generally, they didn't like the, the, the Sadducees. Okay, so these are the background of the people. So I ask you again, where is the headquarters of the Sanhedrin? Jerusalem. Okay? Now, now we look at verse 48. And I say, um, if we leave Christ alone, and if we don't do something with this Jesus, people was all men. All men. So they're worried everyone will believe in him. And the Romans shall take away our place and nation. Now you understand why they talk like that, right? Because, why does it take away our place and nation? Because they were given the freedom to rule. Remember the Sanhedrin rule the Jews, society. So now they say, if Jesus, if people begin to believe in Jesus, what is going to happen to the Sanhedrin, our position of power of ruling the entire Jewish community far and wide? Across Judea, across everywhere. 
say our position is threatened because when people start to believe in him now actually why 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 would people believing in Jesus make the Romans take away their place and nation um, transfer of authority and power how like uh, if it's all it's all okay and all if like Jesus says something and that's what in alliance with what they want but if he says something else with what who wants the Romans or the Pharisees Pharisees okay so uh, if uh, yeah he says something else then he would take priority uh, but why would Romans take away their their power of Sanhedrin why would they take away um, the Sanhedrin why do you think so was it because they did think like the Sanhedrin were doing their job because people believed that Christ was king, which he is, but at that time it was not of a physical kingdom. Because they were like king of the Jews, they would fear that they would think that he was king of Israel and then the Romans would get annoyed, chew off the Sanhedrin, and then they control over Jerusalem. Okay, do you understand what you said? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I paraphrase what you said is correct. Now you see, the, you have to understand all this. Why I take time to, to explain this to you is because the, all the gospel is about this. They, the Pharisees want to kill Jesus. The Pharisees want to kill Jesus now. This passage explains why the Pharisees want to kill Jesus. Alright? They want to kill Jesus because Jesus, the people have seen him as the king of the Jews. Right? The king of the Jews. In fact, later on, you see Christ will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey and they will say, Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. I say, Oh, our, our deliverer. Now, deliver from what? Deliver them from the Roman power. Okay, so the people, the, the, the Sanhedrin began to think, now, if the people believe in Jesus, who they claim is king of the Jews, then means the Jews are trying to set up their own king. And then they are, it means that they are going to go against the Roman emperor. Right? So he said, oh, if we have Jesus and if people recognize Jesus as king of the Jews, then he becomes a bad name for us. It looks like we are rebelling against the Romans. We want the Romans to like us. The Romans leave us alone. When the Romans leave us alone, we have so much power. We tell people what to do. Don't walk more than five steps. <laughs> you like the kind of power? They were so powerful, you know, the Sanhedrin. The people feared them. The people respected them. But the moment if the Jews, if the Romans feel threatened, they say, hey, the Jews have their own king. And this man called Jesus. Then it's, we need to wipe them out. Get rid of the Sanhedrin. Don't let them control anything anymore. Understand, Vincent? Yeah, so the Romans are like ruling class, right? The Romans are the conquerors. This is the Roman Empire time. Oh. They were the superpower of the world. All like US. Uh, I don't know whether to say that or not. You have to rule us. During that time, it's really global, global power. You know, people really move far and wide. They conquer many nations. The US is still US. You know, they, they think that they are. <laughs> 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 other nations want them to control them, right? Yeah. But these are real. They, they are really acknowledged as they are the conquerors of nations. Okay? So trying to prevent the rebellion. Yes. See, people see, if people say Jews have a king, then it means Jews are going to. Oh, king Emperor, King Emperor, you get the picture. Alright, so you say, oh, better get rid of the Sanhedrin. So you have to understand why God would now explain in a bit more detail. He talked about Sanhedrin, he talked about the Pharisees and all that. 
And then now he talk about, now you understand why the Pharisees want to kill Jesus? Yeah. What is motivated by? Motivated by? Power. They will take away our place and our nation. Motivated by power. They wanted power. Alright? So, yes, as Shemri explained, then they would, with Jesus, uh, when people follow Jesus, um, they would think that the Jews are rebelling. But as Shemri said, were the Jews, was Jesus really going to be king on earth at this time? No, right? Jesus said, my kingdom is a spiritual one at this time. When would Jesus' kingdom be a physical one? Yeah. Millennium. Alright, so Jesus is very clear. So don't think that Jesus king, when Jesus said my kingdom is not of this earth, means it will always be a heavenly kingdom, spiritual kingdom. No, it's going to be a real physical kingdom one day, but not at this time. Okay, understand that? So now, that is the reason. So now we get a very clear picture. So now I ask you, why is it a question number two? Now, we know, we know, Jesus raised the widow's son, Remember, the widow's son, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Now, where did Jesus raise Lazarus? And where is this place? Okay, who want to draw? <laughs> you draw. No, 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 you know. I want to ask people who don't know. Because when you don't know and then you make a mistake, you will always remember. <laughs> Correct. Who wants to volunteer who does not know? Roughly. Okay. Very great. Okay, so now, actually, where did Jesus heal Lazarus? I'm asking. Where? What's the place called? Look at your Bible. Look at me. Bethany. Bethany. Very good. Where? Chapter? This chapter? Chapter 11. <laughs> right? Chapter 11, verse? Right in the one. beginning. Verse 1. Right? So, Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany. Okay, so now quickly find where is Bethany. Yeah, pretty good. Actually, very good. Oh, but very giant size. Okay, very good. Yes, exactly. Exactly, the temple of So she drew, drew this line 30 degrees, then this king, right? This little. Then we have near this king, there's the heart shape, heart shape, Sea of Galilee, right? Sea of Galilee, and then what river? Jordan River. <laughs> Jordan River, right? And then we have this elderly man's face, right? This elderly man's face. Okay, this is the Dead Sea. Okay, so um, we studied this the other week. Where is Jesus now? Up here or down here? Down. Down. Right? Remember, we studied the other way. So he's down, down, he's down south, somewhere here. Now, where is Bethany? Some near the head. Alright, very good. Bethany was near the head. Wow, memory is good. The Bethany near the head. So Bethany is somewhere there. Okay, so when Jesus healed the uh, when Jesus raised the dead, the other two times before Lazarus here. He, he did it in which area? North or South? Galilee. Galilee. Very good. Galilee. Remember, he did it in Galilee area. So it's way up north. Way up this area. This area, this area. 
Alright, so it's this area where Jesus raised the previous two persons. When Jesus raised the other two persons earlier on in the other Gospels, it's not recorded here, the Sanhedrin did not try to kill him. Right? But this time, the Sanhedrin said, we're going to be talking about this guy. Why? Very good. It's nearer to Jerusalem. What is in Jerusalem? The, the headquarters of the Sanhedrin. Remember? Where is Jerusalem? Here. No? Yeah. Somewhere around the head also. It's further this way. Alright? I'm sorry, I don't know whether everyone can see it. Alright? So I put it here. So now, he performed this. He raised people here. Didn't seem to be a big problem. And you didn't like it. But when it's here in Bethany, it is too near headquarters. Too near headquarters this time. He says, it is too near now. We've got to do something. Now when it's up here, they can can it cover up? They probably say rumors. Rumors. But now it's at my doorstep. It is a big problem. We have to do something now. You get it? So now they are dead serious already. And Right, so you understand why these things are mentioned, the Sanhedrin and so on. It's to mention now they know that it's too close for comfort. They cannot cover up anymore. I mean, it's amazing, right? They, they fully acknowledge that. Look at verse 47. What do we do for this man those many miracles? They fully acknowledge that these are things that are miracles. Only God could do such a thing. Only God could use such a thing. But yet, they say we got to kill him. As we'll read later on. <clears throat> okay, so actually all the answers are there. Why did Jesus where it is, where it is in Galilee area? Where was Lazarus raised from the death? From death in Bethany, which is south. Now why was the Sanhedrin so concerned this time? Because it was at their doorstep of their headquarters. Doorstep of the headquarters. Do you think this is uh and, and uh, by accident that Jesus now choose to do a miracle, this most powerful miracle near the Sanhedrin. It is because this is going to be near Passover. This he will be persecuted for death this time. And by who? When Jesus, the night Jesus was interrogated, he was interrogated by who? Do you remember? The people of the trials. Yes. Do you remember any name? Uh, from this pilot. Oh, okay. The Jewish one. The Jewish one. The people in the Sanhedrin is a council. Huh? It must be the. It was Caiaphas or so on there. Remember? Caiaphas or so on there. So, the, you think the Lord, the Lord purposely went there to do this, to aggravate them, and they will now see this death. Okay? So, these are not happening by chance in location. So, take your time when you read and you do your devotion. Try and plot where they are and ask yourself this question Why? Why is this happening now? Okay, previously they seemed to leave him alone a bit. Okay, now, question number three. What did the unbelieving Jews do after witnessing? They went to inform the council. Okay. Now, what was the chief concern of the Sanhedrin? The chief concern of the Sanhedrin was power, the loss of power. They did not care if this is God. All they cared about was their power. Okay, what does this tell you about the heart of man? Um, let me try. 
greedy, greedy, the heart of man is so greedy when it comes to power that even if you see real God working, that's the that's the power of greed. Right? So be careful, be careful of the power of greed. Are you a greedy person? Greedy for food? <laughs> because when you're greedy for food, you will be greedy for what the next thing? In order to have food, <laughs> you need money. And you're greedy for money. When you're greedy for money, it's a big problem. When you cheat at work, you lie, you will do anything to get money because you're greedy for money. Or greedy for anything. You're greedy for clothes. You're greedy for whatever. You will slowly be greedy for money. Alright? You will eventually lead you to sin. So be careful of greed. It is very powerful. So powerful that it's blinding. Blinding. How blinding is it? You see God, you see miracles, you say, He did miracles, let's kill him. Can you imagine people saying that? Now B, I asked this before, so you better know the answer. And I'll keep repeating it because John is a good book to teach this. What does it tell you about power evangelism? What is power evangelism? Many miracles. Power evangelism means this. There is belief that if we can display God's power, it will be effective evangelism. Do you understand? Power evangelism. So if we can perform miracles, we should show God's power. <clears throat> and when we evangelize by using miracles, people will believe in God. That's called power evangelism. Okay? Um, this is really the third wave of charismatism. Not so much about tongue speaking anymore, right? Really? Not so much about tongue speaking, it's about these miracles, miracles. That's why this third wave, it is not, because it is more focused on power, it may not even be the charismatic movement. Okay? It may be any, any church, it may be even churches that dispute tongue speaking. But they are in power evangelism, they believe in miracles, power of healing and so on. Okay? So it can become it can be a non-charismatic church either. Okay? But you believe in power evangelism. So you must not only think of charismatic churches. Churches that begin to send out tracts. Come for healing rarely. Then you ask them, are you a charismatic church? Oh no, we don't believe in tongue speaking. But it is part of the third wave of charismatism, power evangelism. Alright? So what does it tell us about power evangelism? Do you think it works? It doesn't work. Now what, what further power can you do to, than to raise a person who's dead for three days and raise him back to life? And after that, have lunch with him. What other power can you ask for? But yet, they don't believe. And they went back and they said, He did this miracle, let's kill him. So power evangelism proves, the Bible proves that power evangelism does not save people. Okay? So, we see that in the Gospel of John over and over again. So now I'll ask you the third question then. Why, why would some, why some would believe and others will not? So power evangelism, no, it's not true miracle. So why some believe, why some would not? Has it to do with the miracles? What has it to do with? Uh, um, do you remember? You have to go from John because we're studying John. Why would some believe? Preach uh, this few Sundays back. No Sundays are this far. 
Remember? That's right. Why would some believe and why would some would not? Very good. Because of election. Because of election, not because of miracles. It's because of election. Now, the next question is the tougher one. Quote a verse from John. John 6, 44. Okay, very good. Let's more like calling. John chapter 6. So let's turn to John chapter 6. Do you know how I remember all this? Election is God calling, right? So I, I always know it's from the book of John. How does God call? Come here, come here. Come here, come here. just how I remember the chapters. It may not be a good way, but it helps me to remember. So that every time I need to talk, ah, John chapter 6, I know. Alright, so John chapter 6. Okay, now where is John chapter 6? In verse? 44. Okay, now let's read together. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me to draw him, and I raise his arm and lost him. Now, please notice and underline the keyword accept. Accept. No man can come except. If you are still struggling and not believing that election is something that is true, <clears throat> you have to read the Bible very carefully. God says accept. The word accept means there's no exception. Not a single human being that ever come to Christ and believe on Him was came by himself, always because the Father drew him. Alright? When does God call? Calling first or election first? Joe. Calling first or election? Ah, you didn't come. Calling election. first or election first? Very good. Election first. Alright? Election first, then God calls. How many type of calls are there? Vincent. You come on Sunday, right? How many type of calls are there? God calling. God's calling. How many type of calls? <laughs> How many type? On Sunday. Do you remember? Don't remember. Don't remember. Two types. Very good. Two types. One is the general call. Alright. What is the other one? The special call. The call that God issues to your heart that you cannot resist. Alright. The saving call. The inward call. Okay. So now here is very clear. It's not miracles. Then why did Jesus perform miracles? Isn't it to convince people? Why did Jesus perform miracles? Well, the scriptures. Hmm? So the scriptures can be fulfilled. So the scriptures can be fulfilled, well, in a sense, which part, what about scriptures being fulfilled? About him dying physically. No, no, he performed miracles. Why did Jesus perform miracles? What if miracles is not for saving people? Why did Jesus perform miracles? Hmm? To show he's the son of God. Yes, to prove that he's the son of God. Alright? Does it mean that I, Jesus said, I want, I want you to know that I am the Son of God means, means salvation? Means that people will know that He's the Son of God. When the believer or unbeliever, you will know that I am the Son of God. I am God. I am God. You don't believe me? Believe the works. Alright? Believe the works. Believe what? Believe that I am God. Okay? So now, remember that, alright, so I hope you're clear in your understanding and theology about miracles, why Christ performed miracles, and about power evangelism and so on. Okay, so now these people believe, not simply because of the miracles, but because God drew them, Father drew them. So remember John 6, election. Okay, so now we move on to the next stage, alright, so now we know why they want to kill Jesus. It's made clear, it's made clear to us. Let's go back to John. 
Now, John, the next part. <clears throat> okay, so now I'm going to ask you another interesting question. All right? This always puzzles me. Right, so see what do you think. Now, look at here. Now, verse 49, right? Verse 49. And one of them, named Caius Caiaphas, being the high priest the same year. So remember in the Sanhedrin, there's the high priest. The high priest is the chairman, right? So now the chairman is speaking. Now, he says... Um, Verse 49, he said, You know nothing at all. I don't know how to put this in today's language, but in Dumbos or you see people. Verse 50, you know nothing at all. Um, verse 50, nor consider that it is expedient for us. You have to know that this is necessary for us. What is necessary for us? Verse 50, that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. Okay? So you say, one man. Who's this one man? Jesus, right? Now he said, our nation is going to be taken away. They are going to wipe out Israel. They, in a sense, they are Israel. They left us alone as Jews. Alright? We still have our land. We still, in a sense, rule our people. We are going to lose our so-called nation. So, let's kill Jesus. Jesus must die. If Jesus die, no one follow him, no one think that we have a king, we are safe as a nation. Understand that? So that, that's what he's saying. Now, hold on, I let the cat out of the back of it. <laughs> okay, so now the question is this. Do you think he was saying this? Was he prophesying of Jesus being the substitute that will he die and then the nations, nations in the world will be saved? Do you think he's saying that? He wasn't. Right? He wasn't. He was just simply selfish and power hungry. If this man is going to cause me to lose my power as chairman of the Sanhedrin, let's understand this. This man must die so that the Sanhedrin will get demolished, so that the nation still, we still rule. Alright? So now he's actually saying that. Look at verse 51. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest of that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. He <clears throat> spake this not of himself. Now, I ask you this question. Now, what, what did Caiaphas mean? Now, what Caiaphas means is simply this. Kill Jesus so that Sanhedrin continues to rule. We don't lose our power. That's simply what he's saying. Okay, get rid of Jesus so that we continue to rule. Now, can you quote another incident such in which such a thing happened to a man when he spoke? So now, when he spoke, he didn't know that he was actually prophesying. Is it true that Jesus' death was going to bring salvation to the nation, it was true. <laughs> when he said this, he unknowingly was used by the Holy Spirit to prophesy. That's how powerful God is. We can sin, we can what, but God can make us do things and say things which, which we did not mean. But yet, it is still true. He brings the truth. Any incident that you remember? Read. An incident like that, someone talk and then he meant to say something else, but then. Bala bala. What? Who, who can help you? Bala bala. 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 Right? Bala. You studied in the book of Numbers. Alright? Bala. Every time you want to curse Israel, he only say good things about Israel. He just prophesied all the good things. 
Right? So that is the power of God. Don't you think it's amazing? Very often it's like that. Have you met situations where someone wants to someone says something but when you look at him but you're talking about something that is about yourself or about what is true when you're trying to say the opposite thing so God has a sense of humor and that God mocks people even that way <clears throat> alright so that is that is our God now next thing okay let me move on very quickly um, so that's what we have here. but I just want to stop at this point and draw your attention to one thing um, you imagine how Christ will be feeling on earth. Okay? You come to die for these people. You come to save them, and then they know. Right? They don't know it's different, right? You try and help someone, and then there's someone didn't know that you're trying to help him. And then he tries to do things to you. At least you can understand, right? But you try and help someone. And then the person knows, I'm helping you. you. I know you're helping me. But I want to kill you. <laughs> Imagine how Christ feels. When you read the Gospels, you have to constantly put yourself in the position of Christ. Think of how he feels. Christ is not us, no, we, we can't read minds. But Christ can read all the minds of the people standing there. What they're thinking about him. But you say, I came, I come to die for you. I come to um, bring you salvation even though you want to kill me. Okay, so now, that is how much Christ loves you and I. Remember when we talk about no one seek God? When if you were present at that time, who do you think you would be? We could be those unbelieving Jews too. We would be the ones that want to kill Jesus. We would be the ones who want to um, retain our position and kill Christ. If not for God's mercy. All of us will have been the same. So don't walk around thinking we're so good. Walk around with a very, very thankful and humble heart that I would have been like those people in verse 45. I want to rap on Jesus. You would have done the same thing, exactly the same thing. Right? If not for God's calling. The reason I want to say this is you have to know how your failure feels. When you know how he feels, then you begin to love him. When you read the Gospels and you just don't think about Christ, just keep thinking, how does Christ feel in this situation? The more you understand that, the more you will love Him. That's why I always tell you, you know how you want to love your parents more? Find out more about them. Think about what they do for you more. And then you begin to love them. Right? So same for our Savior, or all the more so for our Savior. So when you read the Gospels, it must be like that. Alright, the next thing. Now, the next part. <clears throat> Verse 53. <clears throat> Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put Christ, him, to death. Verse 54. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and he continued with his disciples. Now here is 55. Now it tells us that the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out up of the country, to, up to Jerusalem, before the Passover to purify themselves. Now, which Passover would this be in Jesus' life? This would be the, which Passover do you think? It's the final Passover. Okay, this would be his last Passover on earth. So this is a very special Passover. Now, why did the, I, I didn't ask you, but why did the Jews, these unbelieving Jews, why did they go up to Jerusalem? 
By the way, whenever you read the Bible, you notice that it's always go up to Jerusalem, come down from Jerusalem. Do you know why? Right, someone said, because Jerusalem is... God would never say down. Go down to Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is a special place. Right? It's always up. And come down from Jerusalem. Why do you think so? Because it is on the, it's on top of a hill. Simply that, alright? So don't spiritualize that. Jerusalem is very special. You cannot say come down, go down, you must always up. Right? So I actually heard someone preach that. It's simply on a hill, that's all. You know, so it is. They went up to Jerusalem to purify themselves. Oh, you must go to a high place. But no, it's just it's on a hill. To purify themselves means to cleanse themselves. Now I find this very um, ironical. Verse they went there to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves. Verse 56. As they stood in the temple, what think ye that he will do? you think Jesus will come? Do you think Jesus will come? They went there to purify themselves, you know. Spiritual work, you know. Verse 57. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees are given a commandment that if any man knew where he worked, he should shew it that they might take him. Take him to do what? Take him to go succeed. Or take him to kill him, right? So now they... They went to Jerusalem to purify themselves. But, in, but they openly talk about, let's kill this man. Anyone see him? Who see him first? Bring him, so that we can kill him. So now I ask you this question. What is the irony? Well, the irony is some people, us included, can do very religious things. Huh? Do very religious things. Go to church, come for fellowship, and all that. But actually, in our hearts, or even openly talk about sinful things and want to do sinful things. That is very frightening. So please don't think that religiousness means anything. So they're simply observing all these outward religious things, but in their heart full of wickedness. Check yourself, check yourself. Be like that. Okay, that is a spiritual lesson we must learn. Now the next. Okay, so now <clears throat> that is where we see that's what they want to do. So, so you see the Lord's plan. This is the last Passover. This is the last Passover. Christ will, when Christ went to, when was he interrogated? On the night of the Passover. <laughs> Please remember. You know, every time Holy Communion, remember, we read the passage and. Um, I would say the, the Bible words um, on the night on the night Jesus was betrayed on the night in which he was betrayed he took bread and broke it and gave it to the disciples right right now so what, what why did he break bread because he was having the last Passover with the disciples so every time you take Holy Communion you remember all these events in your head you know Christ purposely this is the Passover that he was going to be um, betrayed. <clears throat> night in which he was betrayed, he took bread after he had given thanks. That was this time. He purposely performed this most stupendous miracle here that would irritate the Sanhedrin, that would stir them up to go and take hold of him and really plot to kill him. Understand? That's why he would come back down here. He literally went, purposely went there to die for you and I. If he stayed up here, you would have avoided that. Understand that? So this is why this is happening. Uh, we purposely went there to die for you and I. You know, very often we say, 
Do you know the day that do you know the day that you have life? The day that you have life even before you were born is the day that Jesus died on the cross. You have life 2,000 years ago. The day that Christ went to die, he already had Rainy in mind, he had Brian in mind, he had so on and so on in mind, Joel in mind. He had all of you in mind when he was on the cross 2,000 years ago because he had already predestinated and elected you. He went through all this journey down here, purposely irritate them, <coughs> perform the most amazing miracle to make sure that they won't like him, and they want to kill him. He did all this to die, you know, to put himself in front, you know, people describe, a car is heading towards you, it's going to knock you down, and someone purposely throw himself in front of the car. This is what Christ did. He purposely went there to throw himself in front of God's wrath to, to spare you. Alright? So how much you must love him. So all these stories that you read about Christ, what he does, you imagine where he goes, what he does, why he's going different areas, why I always ask you, to, I want you to know the map, because I want you to know his journey, I want you to think about what he's thinking about when he's going through this journey. And then you will think more about your Savior. Okay? Otherwise, we just keep learning things, but we're not, in our minds, we don't have a picture of our Savior. Okay? So, so next. Okay, so next, we enter chapter 12. We do a bit of chapter 12, and we finish. <coughs> okay, chapter 12. Then Jesus six days before the Passover, so this will be six days before his betrayal, the man of his betrayal, came to Bethany. Ah, he came back to Bethany. That is very near Jerusalem. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There, they made a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Okay, so now Jesus purposely went back to Bethany and um, there was a house that he went to and the people specifically was mentioned, Martha Cook for Christ. Lazarus was there. Mary was there too. Now this is that in other parts of the gospel, this is the one which Christ would Mary will complain. Um, Lord Jesus, please do something with my daisy sister. She's just sitting there. Mary, you know, I'm so busy. Mother, I'm so busy serving, serving, serving. And the Lord said, you know, um, no. He chided her for um, wanting Mary to leave her place at his feet. Yeah, this is the situation, alright? But this was not the focus. Um, actually, they made him a supper and Mary served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. What do you think, but? Shen Ray was busy cooking, but Ray just sat there and ate. <laughs> is that what it is? They made supper. Now, is, is, is Lazarus sitting at supper a bad thing compared to Martha serving? It is not. Those of you who did the John Gospel, alright, um, uh, would, would notice this. Actually, I think it's a good, good commentary that the Bible does commend Martha for serving. Martha wanted to serve the Lord. So those of you in church who are in, involved in the kitchen ministry, don't think that, oh, we are unimportant, we are the useless people, we just do this, oh, but all those people sit there, all the special people. No, when the Lord mentioned it, he said Mary was, hey, sorry, Martha was doing something good. Martha was serving. If she wasn't cooking, nobody got to eat, right? 
So she was doing something for the Lord. So it, here, in John's perspective, he just said, Oh, Martha served. Martha served. So those of you who are serving in the kitchen ministry or background ministry, don't think that's not important. He said, Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. How many did John gospel? Did you see? Now, why, why did he say, So is Lazarus sitting there eating? A bad thing, is it? Well, this guy is lazy. Didn't bother to help. Why do you think, do you think Lazarus sitting there was a bad thing? Why? Why not? Is it mentioned to show that he really was raised to life, even eating? Hmm. Right, you're sitting there eating. Dead man cannot eat. You know, dead man cannot eat. Sit there, uh, let me eat. <laughs> let me show you. Right, I eat. Right, and he was with the Lord who raised him. So it was also testimony. Alright, so he's, he's being there. Not so much that he wanted to eat, but he's being there with the Lord, just sitting there with the Lord was a testimony that, look, I am living because of this Jesus. You know, and I, I thankfully sit with him. So it was also part of testimony. Now, then next, and this is where we want to learn. Verse 3. Shall we read verses 3 to verse 8? Verses 3 to 8, we read together. Then to Mary, upon the appointments of Spider-Man, very costly, and anointed at the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her head, and her house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, we should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This is the same. Not that he cared for the world, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and then what was good therein. Then said Jesus, That her alone is this day of my burying, as she kept this. For the world always he hath with you, but me he hath not always. God bless the reading of his word. Now, so we have Mary. Mary is Martha's sister. Lazarus' sister. Now, at this point, Mary would go and take a pound of ointment. A pound is um, quite a quite a big amount. Now, a pound of ointment. Uh, this ointment is called spikenard. All right. What is spikenard? Spikenard is a very um, special herb, and in the case of Jerusalem, is always important. Okay, so it's not something you can buy locally, um, it's imported, so it's expensive, and it is, and in this case it's oil form, so it's this plant that you will pound and you produce ointment out of it, just like many of us like lavender, right? Lavender from the lavender plant, and then we make oil out of it. So it's an ointment, it, is, it has healing properties, it has preservation, preserving properties, and it's very fragrant. So this is a very special, expensive ointment. To have it, they must import it from overseas. And in fact, a pound. So some some um, some historical book would say, normally this kind of expensive ointment, just like you buy very expensive, um, pure. In fact, this would be pure, very costly. This is pure, very, very expensive. This is why it's costly because pure. You know, there's lavender and then there's lavender, right? There is pure lavender oil, and then there is those that are mixed, and then just fragrance, chemical, that's all. And this is the purest, purest form, very costly. And they say for this, they usually come in like one ounce. And this one pound means there are many, many ounces of it. Okay, so it's a huge amount. Um, 
Now, the next thing is this. And before we go to what she did, let me ask you. Now, one of the disciples, verse 4, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, um, said in verse 5, this ointment should be sold for 300 pence. Okay, 300 pence. So, how much is 300 pence? Anyone have any idea? Dinari. Dinari. Those who did life of Christ also. So, you know all this, you want to have a picture how expensive, you know. First, you know it's very pure. It's the purest. One pound. It's many ounces of it. People will normally, families will only own maybe one or two bottles of it. One or two ounces of it. She had one pound of it. She had a lot of it. Alright? And, um, and how much, how expensive now? Simon, um, sorry, Judas, say it's 300 denarii, 300 pence. Okay, if I say denarii, you will know better. Alright, the word is denarii. So, how much do people earn one day, the working labor? Anyone remember? The labor, one pen, one pen. One denarii a day. Okay, so 300 denarii. Roughly, how much? Huh? Almost how long? 300 days? 10 months. Or 10 months, almost a year. Almost a year of salary. Alright, almost a year of the common man's salary. So it will easily be a few $10,000. A few $10,000. Okay. Today, roughly today's money, a few $10,000. How many of you own um, um, special ointment? A few $10,000 of ointment. You wouldn't think of having it, right? So she had it. You know, she had it. And normally the family, they would use small drops. Uh, we have some pure lavender oil, which we bought last time from the United States. Every time we use it, we use a little drop only. Uh, because it's, it's very pure, it's very expensive. So this one, she had one pound of it, and what did she do? Right, so you know, now it's expensive. Uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Now verse, verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 3. What did she do? She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Anointed the feet of Jesus with it. She um, poured it out. She poured it out. And she rubbed the oil on Jesus, but not rubbed the oil. These are often used as anointing. Rubbed the oil on Jesus, head and feet. In other parts, the head is also mentioned, but here it specifically mentioned the feet. Now, remember when people come to the house in those days, the owner, when they when they come, like I visit your house, right? The owner, right? The, the, courtes the courtesy that must always be extended, otherwise you are considered as a very inhospitable person, um, is to provide water to wash their feet. Because in Jerusalem, in those countries, they walk, it's very dusty, so their feet are very dirty. So when you go to the house, they will get the servant to come with a bowl of water, and then the guests, you sit down, they wash your feet. Okay, refresh you. That's the thing they do. Okay, water. But here, she used this few tens of thousand dollars liquid. How many of you would do that? Break it? Something that you store for years, you know, you save a lot of money, then you have to order from overseas, wait many months for it to come in, you receive it, you look at it, wow! And then, not just the head, here the emphasis was, look at Jesus' feet, let me pour it at the feet. And she poured it all. She used it all up. She used it all. That's why, that's why, Judah to say, what are you doing? You know, this is so expensive. We pour it all on his feet, 
on his feet. This is what she was doing. Then the next thing we see, what did she do? She wiped his feet with her hair. And before that, how did the people eat um, at, during those days? Okay, verse 2. Do you see this word set? Verse 2. And set at the table. Set at the table. You know how the Jews um, during those times, those people in those days, this word set, this word set is not so much the English seat. The, the Greek word is lie down. They lie down. Have you seen drawings when they sit, when they eat, they lie down. They lean down, they lie sideways, and then they eat on a low table. That's how they eat. Right, so this set don't imagine like us, uh, fellowship all sitting there. Huh? So that's how they sit. They lie down on their side, they recline on their side, they tuck their leg, their feet behind them, and then they eat. So Jesus would have been tucking his leg behind. Remember there's another situation where someone also went behind Jesus weeping. This one she washed, and that lady she washed Jesus' feet from behind. Remember another, another situation? She washed Jesus' feet with her and her tears came out so so much that she washed her feet with her ointment as well as her tears. How come she washed her feet from behind? Did Jesus leave her leg like that? No, because they were sitting down. So they were sitting down, this woman went behind Jesus, they did not even face Jesus. And then she knelt down and she washed her feet. That's why she can wash her feet because Jesus was lying down. That's how they eat, their feet tucked up. Understand that? So you see the picture? <coughs> Okay, so now, now, so she used her hair to wipe his feet. Those of you who have long hair, you wash your hair. You don't use your hair to wash someone's feet. You wash your hair, right? So, whoa, what's happening here? Um, you definitely won't do that. Now, what is this? So we know the significance of the spike nine, we know the significance of how much it is. And here is recorded for us the significance of, of Mary using her hair. To use her hair, she need to let her hair down. Okay, today you ladies you just let your hair down. It's socially acceptable. Now back then they they had covered hair, right, or tied up. And for her, for any woman to publicly, the woman will only let down their hair to their husbands. Only the husband can see them letting down their hair. Okay, um, it is a very um, act of devotion of, of love of. Uh, giving the person the honor to see that. So when, when it's recorded that when she approached Jesus, she poured this out, she could use her hand, she could use towel, she could use anything, but she chose to use her hair. The significance is a devotion, a love to the Savior. Understand that? That's the significance. Uh, why did the Bible record this? Anyone who is around looking at her will, will get the picture immediately. Oh, she's letting down her hair. This is something that is very, very, very personal. Right? So it's not so much about hygiene alone. Right? Of course, hygiene too. Um, Jesus' feet won't be very clean. Okay, Jesus' feet won't be very clean. In other words, the hair of the woman is her most prized possession. Personal possession. So not only she gave a very prized physical possession to the Savior, which is also a lot already. Sometimes we can give a lot physically, but there will be some things we still hold back from our Savior. Alright? So this, when she used her hair, 
was the next step of, of um, devotion and sacrifice. In other words, you say, Lord, there's nothing that I will withhold from you, nothing I will withhold from you physically, nothing I will withhold from you personally. My most personal, prized possession, I willingly use it on your feet. On your feet. Not even as a description, on your feet. Well, she, she, she cleaned the Lord's head, she anointed the Lord's head also. But here, John, one must to focus on, on that. On that. What must we learn? Actually, you know, for this particular um, event, the Lord is going to say, her act, whenever the gospel is preached, this woman will remain. Remember? That's what's happening. Okay, so now this very act was a very, very precious act. What must we learn? We must learn that when Mary, Mary knew. Actually, did Mary know that Jesus was going to die? The Lord explained why Mary did this. Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. <clears throat> Let her alone against the day of my bearing had she kept this. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. He's saying this, you know, Mary, now the Lord knows her heart. The Lord knows what she's thinking. The Lord knows what she did. Right? Because it's only what? Potent. Omniscient. Right? Because it's omniscient. He sees all, he knows all. You imagine, the Lord say, Mary has been keeping this for the day of my death. For the day of my burial. Understand that? Mary kept this for my burial. In other words, the Lord is saying this. Mary, when she ordered this, she was thinking of me. When she spent a lot of money to buy this ointment from overseas, she was thinking of me, my dad. She was going to use it for me. And Mary kept this all this while for the day that when I die, she wanted to use it to put on my body. That's what they do, they embalm, right? And Mary, all the while, everything that she did to buy this thing, to hold this thing, to keep this thing, is just purely for me, for the day that I die. So Mary knew. They have been taught by the Lord many times. All right? But whenever they, sometimes they forget. Then sometimes they remember. Huh? But she knew that the Lord was going to die, um, as prophesied in the, in the Old Testament. They were learned all this. So she actually kept it for the Lord. But interesting, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. They said, oh, I thought it was only, she said, she intended to use it when I die, right? Then I thought she's using it now. How many days before his death now? Six plus. Well, there are six. Six or seven days. Right? Haven't died, right? Not dead yet. So why did Mary use it? Hmm, mystery. But you say, I know that all the while she wanted to, she did everything but this thing for my dad. Why do you think? Job? He's not, Christ hasn't died yet, but Mary broke it and used it. Why do you think so? She seemed to change her mind. Can you guess? Can guess? She took his word seriously. Took his word seriously, what's that? 
correct. It's, it shows she knows she's going to die. Correct. Okay. But why did she, she intention? Her original intention was to use it at Jesus' death, right? Jesus revealed to us that was her original intention. But it's six, seven days before that, and she used it. Really, it's very expensive. Do you know to try? Maybe um, it was the time for that. God wanted that um, that Mary um, give the healings to all the state. Mm-hmm. It was time for that. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah maybe God, the Lord wanted her to do that. But yeah, Vincent. Okay, I'm just trying. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you would think that uh, if you do something that important, like if it's something somebody's death, right? That's more. Uh, you think there's a better reason to use it? But here she just like, use it while he comes to visit them. So while well, he's still alive. Yeah. So that's that holds the music in comes. Now why why ask you questions? Do you know why I ask you questions? So that you think when you read the Bible. So when you do your devotion, you also think. And just keep reading, right? And I've noticed this. The more I do that the more I notice that many of you read the Bible and think more. And it's better. Alright, so think about it. Alright, so very close. Um, anyone else want to try Hannah? I think so. Put it this way. Think of when you buy something for your parents for their birthday. While he was yet alive and show his devotion. Yes. It's her, her devotion. So her so her devotion. Okay, so yes, that's that's correct. And maybe I put it this way. She can't wait anymore. Her love and his devotion for the Lord was welling up in her and she cannot wait. To show her love to the Lord. She don't want to wait till that day when he dies. She just can't wait. Um, you know, have you seen this? I see this very often. Kids, especially little, little children, they buy birthday kids, birthday presents for their parents. Alright? And it's supposed to be secret. Alright? And then brothers and sisters. And then, right? And then one another, I cannot take it, I cannot get out of there. And then they cover them up. <laughs> and they do all the kind of, have you seen that? I see that very often. It's cannot take them up. And then they will be, then they hide the present in the room, that kind of thing. And then we go in the room, then the, the doctor, the girl will say, I cannot, I cannot go to bring it out and give the mommy or daddy already. I have to, I have to. Just pumping inside them because they, they got something special that they want to give to the parent and cheer, right? Right? This is what's happening here. She all the while was thinking, I want to do something very, very, very special for the Lord Jesus. And she knew in her mind that Jesus was going to die for her, for her salvation. And she said, for that, I want to do something very special for him. And she was plotting and planning, just like this little children, they're plotting and planning. Have you ever heard of um, Shalomia and who's that? Shama Maria, Shama Maria, they were plotting and planning to bake something, to make something for her dad for their dad's birthday. 
So they woke up very early in the morning. So they woke up early in the morning, then they tried to make it in microwave. <laughs> the microwave got fired. <laughs> you see, the devotion, they, so, so like, 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 like they were plotting and planning. They were so excited, they got up early in the morning, secretly go to the kitchen, make sure no one knows. And everyone knew because the microwave got fired. They went to the microwave and put up fire. Right? But this is. This is on the heart of Mary. She was secretly plotting and planning. What can I do? What can I do? Hiding it. But as, it, as, as every time she sees the Lord, the more she sees the Lord, and after the Lord raised her brother, and then came back, because he went away, right now he's back in town again. She couldn't withhold it anymore. She had to go to the cupboard, take it out, and then and then, use the most personal prized possession to express the love to the Savior. Understand that? Now when you read the Gospels, you have to think how much these people love the Lord. Then think and ask ourselves, do we love the Lord like that? Are we always thinking, Lord, how can I please you today? What can I do for you? You know, Mary was plotting this secretly, but the Lord knew everything. The Lord saw everything. He said, against the day of my death. I know she, she was plotting and planning to, to do this for me. And she was willing to do it after my death. But she cannot take it anymore. Pour it out. Pour it out. So my friends, are, are you like that with your personal Savior? Do you withhold something that you treasure so much? She did this in public. She was not ashamed. You know, for a Savior, nothing would make her ashamed of a Savior. Sometimes we are ashamed of our Savior, that's very sad. She openly just, without caring about what people would think, she gave her that. And so are you like that? And you love your Lord like that? So you go back and think about it. Um, we often hold back. We are not willing. We give ourselves. When was the last time you just bumped over? Lord, I have to give my life to you. Okay, so now, I think this is a very good lesson for us to learn. Now, but there is another occasion, another situation. And just to tell you, because some people get very confused. Um, is this the same? Okay, you turn and you tell me. Alright, you tell me. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. <laughs> Verses um, 36 to 50. Chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Okay, you read this quietly to yourself. And you tell me whether it's the same event. If yes, why? If no, why not? Chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Is this the same event? Remove it personal. 
Okay, so is this the same event? Um, okay, let me try. Uh, Samantha, do you think it's the same event? No? Okay, why not? <laughs> right, doesn't sound right, right? Doesn't sound right. Okay, anyone? Huh? Simon's house. Okay, so your clue is because it's Simon's house. Don't, don't know, alright? But that's an interesting observation. Okay, so let me give you even another more confusing thing. Right? Because when you read, hey, all these events happening, are they the same events? Why don't we turn, turn to... Mark chapter 14. 3 to 8. Mark chapter 14. Okay. Mark chapter 14. So, um, uh, Brenda made an interesting observation. It was Simon's house. Then you look at Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 8. Simon again. Simon the leper and Simon the Pharisee. Is it still in name? Hmm? Are they still in name? Nine. Uh, no. Uh, Simon the Pharisee. So it doesn't seem to say that he moved. Simon the Simon the Pharisee. Is it in the north? I'm not sure. Because in Luke seven. Verse eleven. Mm -hmm. He's in name. Okay. And so, he doesn't say he moves up. Ah, so that is one of the clue. Simon Pharisee is in nine. Nine is where? Nine is in the north. That is where Jesus raised one of the dead. Okay. I think the widow's son is in the north. So now you have interesting situation, right? We have Simon. We have Mary. <laughs> Mary and Simon. And then you have the same. Then, and then a woman called Mary also go and wash the feet and all that. So, so many same names. Which one is which? So, do you think Luke, uh, Mark 14 is the same event? What do you think, really? Alright, Mark 14 is the same event. Why? Because it has the people, it was straight before the Passover, which falls in the correct timing. Mm -hmm. And also, some people say it's like people make indignation, which we assume is Judas because of the 300 pence. Mm -hmm. There's 300 pence, there is 300 pence mentioned, and then verse 3, where, where were they? 14.3 is, they were in Bethany. Mm -hmm. They were in Bethany. Okay? So, we cannot jump to the conclusion that when we read John, he went to eat with Lazarus. Then it must be Lazarus' house. It wasn't Lazarus' house. Okay, the other account tells us it was in Simon the leper's house in Bethany. Okay, so Jesus went to Bethany, but he did ate at Simon the leper's house. And interestingly, Martha used Simon the leper's kitchen. <laughs> Alright, so we jump to the conclusion. Alright, so now please know this um, Luke, uh, sorry, Mark 14 is the same event. But earlier on when I gave you Luke, that's a different event. That's a different person. It was a different Simon. That was Simon the Pharisee. Alright, so good. You, you notice the names, but you must then ask, is it the same Simon? Okay? Alright? So these were... But you notice one thing. The other woman is called Woman of the City. Means she's 
some people think that you know, city means she's a prostitute. Alright? She came, she did the same thing, you know. Break the alabaster bottle. You know what is alabaster bottle? Alabaster bottle is very, very hard. <coughs> so alabaster bottles are typically typically used to store very precious coin. They don't keep it in lousy bottle. And then she broke it, the same thing. Watch his feet from behind. This was what I'm talking about. She won't even dare to walk in front of the Lord Jesus. She knew she's a prostitute. But she knew that Jesus is the Savior. She knew that Jesus came to die for her. And she knew that through Jesus she was get salvation, even though she's a prostitute, that through Christ she can be saved. She's so thankful that she would not even need, she don't feel that she's worthy enough to face Jesus face to face. She's just thankful that the Lord is her Savior. And she just approached him quietly from behind. Remember I said they sit down, they lean, and then they take a cut behind. She just creep up from behind, broke the alabaster bottle, pour it, let down her hair. And this one, this woman, what's the difference between this woman's washing and Mary's, Mary, the sister of Lazarus' washing? What's the difference? Do you remember? When you read? How did she wash? With the tears. With the tears. So you read Mary's account, there's no washing with the tears. She washed with the tears. So she approached the Lord with so much thankfulness for the Lord. Just seeing the Lord from behind, she already broke up in tears. Have you experienced that? Just seeing someone from behind, without seeing the face, she already broke up in tears. In tears, she walked towards him, and her tears were so much, the Bible tells us. Have you cried like that? Cried so much, you just can't stop and just come. Copious amounts of tears coming up. That was her love for the Savior. Just to think of her Savior, just to see the back of her Savior, she already broke up. Do you love the Lord that much? When you read of Him, when you think about Him, when you pray, when you think of Him, she couldn't stop crying. The Bible tells us her tears was like water. She was need to wash the Lord's face being down. So please, <coughs> let us try to cultivate that love. It doesn't come unless you think about what the Lord does for you. Think about what the Lord has done for you. Ponder upon it. Don't just come to prayer always asking for things. Remember in prayer meeting we've been covering this series? Pray and just pray, Lord, I thank you for saving. Tonight, go back, pray over this passage. Lord, I thank you that you went to Bethany. You Lord purposely went there to die for me. Lord, you purposely put yourself in a situation where they will hate you to die for me. You pray over these things. Study, you go back, you pray about it. You talk, I talk to your Lord about it. You know, sometimes when I talk to my parents, um, my dad, sometimes my dad's alive. I sit in the room with him alone and he say, Oh, dad, I remember this. Dad, I remember that. Do you remember? You must pray like that to the Lord. Lord, I remember. I read today, I studied today. This is what you did on that day, six days before. Pray to the Lord and thank the Lord for that. The more you do that, the more you will love him. Right? So this is how the other Mary was. Just walking to the Lord, she know that I'm a prostitute, I should be condemned to death, but you, because of you, I can be forgiven. That's how much you love the Lord. The more you realize how much you're forgiven, the more you love your Lord. Okay, so now we come back to this. So remember there are two different occasions, huh? Different. Okay. Um, occasion for when you look, it was a different one. Okay, so we come back and then we finish up. Back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Mm. 
I think we stop here tonight because the other ones are all connected. If I start there, then I'm happy to go. Okay, so now we, we end here, and I think it's a good note to end for us to remember what Mary did. And ask ourselves, are you? Answer your closing question. Are you talking? <clears throat> are you storing up your life for Christ? students or what are you doing are you studying 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 so that i am going to be successful one day or are you telling the lord lord my life is yours my most precious thing to me is my life it is yours and lord i'm plotting and planning that when i come out to work i will give you the most precious thing my life i will live for you i will live for myself and lord whatever i have is yours Lord, the plan that Lord, when I come up to work, that is my objective. Lord, I study hard now. My objective is to live for you when I come out and work. I mean, plot and plan. I want to take this career. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. All for themselves. Yeah, Mary was keeping something very precious for that day. And he said, Lord, I can't wait to live for you. Alright? Let us pray.